Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. We're kind of in an in-between week uh, here where uh, we just had our biggest Christmas ever. Uh, more people on the Christmas, so many new people that had never been to our church before. And uh, also uh, just people, so many people making next steps of faith uh, in Jesus Christ. Uh, next week, we're going to start a new series called Frequency. We've got our financial event uh, this Saturday. We'll start a new series called Frequency, learning how to cut through the noise and turn up the voice of our creator. Very excited about this series. You're going to absolutely love it. Uh, along with that series, we're going to launch um, a season in our church we call 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And uh, along with that series, um, and that, that time together of prayer and fasting will offer uh, some tools and resources that kind of help us uh, through that time. Uh, one of those uh, being our prayer services uh, in the morning. We'll do those Monday through Friday uh, at 6 a.m. and then Saturday at 9 a.m. And a lot of people ask, well, what in the world are you going to do for an hour in prayer? Like, how do you pray for an hour? And uh, You'd be surprised. In fact, what I hear more often than not is, could we go longer or could we do this more often? Uh, you have the worship team that lead in uh, some songs, a couple of songs, got a corporate prayer time, a personal prayer time. And I just encourage you to check one of those out. That's going to start next Monday, so a week from tomorrow. And uh, if you can only come to the three Saturday, come to the three Saturday. If you can only come here and there, many people make it to all of them, but uh, whatever you can do there, I'd encourage you to, uh, to try one of those out. I want to dispel just a few fears with that. And that is a lot of people think that they're going to be asked to do something they don't want to do. And I just want to tell you, no one's going to make you do anything you don't want to do. You're not going to have to pray out loud. You don't have to pray with someone if you don't want to, um, but I encourage you to come and check that out. Why do we pray and fast? Well, we start the year with that because prayer connects us to God. Prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. And so what we want to do is turn down the voice of the world in our life and turn up the voice of God. And so we're looking forward to do that. I'm going to have more teaching on that next week. Um, That's really going to help you. You're going to love it. Uh, You know, every once in a while, I just feel God leading me to ask you to really lean into a series and to, I'll even say, don't miss a single one. And this is one of those. Frequency is one of those. Uh, that this, Those four weekends in January, don't miss a single one of those series. Uh, you're going to love it. You're going to absolutely love it. A couple weeks ago, Lauren and I went up to Chicago and visited New Creation Church in Chicago, a church that planted in the fall. Uh, they're meeting in a comedy theater called the Revival Comedy Theater. Come on, how much more you got to pray about that? Where are we going to meet? Hmm, I don't know. No, they're meeting in the Revival Comedy Theater. And uh, we went up there because at the end of the year at Rockbrook, we give a gift that we call the Celebration Offering. And it's a Thanksgiving offering year end. Some people call it their Christmas present to God. And uh, we take almost all of that and give it away to local ministries, global missions, and missionaries. Uh, This year, we felt God leading us to bless a church uh, that had planted uh, and give someone a leg up. And so uh, we, uh, this church plant, it's a purpose-driven church in an area 
uh, that has just has hundreds of thousands of people in just a few blocks. Uh, it's because the University of Chicago is near there. Uh, so there's a lot of those people. There's just a lot. I mean, it's a city, so there's just tons of people. There's only a few churches. Uh, so they need churches, and uh, that area needs some good churches. They do. Uh, so we went up there, and because of your generosity, we were able to bless them with uh, $10,000. And, uh, man, Pastor Ricky Brown was just so grateful. He said, my biggest fear when planning a church was resources, that we'd, that we'd have enough to be able to make it. And he says, God just laughs at me all the time about that because it's just every time I get in the yellow, someone shows up and gives us a gift and we're able to keep going. And uh, he sent a video I want you to see. Rockbrook Church, thank you from the bottom of our hearts here at New Creation Church in the High Park neighborhood of Chicago. Thank you, Pastor Rylan Walter and, and, and Lauren for coming and sharing with us today. You know, 70% of the people in our church were not affiliated with any church whatsoever before we launched in September. And so God is truly using us to reach the unreached. And so every single dime you give, it goes towards helping us reach new souls for the kingdom of Jesus. And so thank you again for your generosity. I cannot wait to come to Kansas City myself and thank you guys in person. Thank you so, so much. We'd love to have him. I'd love to get him down here at some point and uh, have him preach for us. He's got, he's got to preach at his church for a little while, though, so he's a little busy now. But uh, you can uh, still give to the celebration offering if you want. Uh, this is the last weekend. We close that at the end of the year. And if you forgot to get a Christmas present for God, uh, you can still do that. you got to get Jesus' Christmas present. Um, but uh, we've fulfilled all our commitments of, of who we're going to bless and, and give that to. And we'd love to take what's ever uh, over and above and do some things around here to better reach our community and our neighborhoods uh, so that they can become new creations. I love the name of their church. I love that. Uh, it comes from a Bible verse found in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Have you stopped doing that? Are you still evaluating people from a human point of view? At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Are you still evaluating your life and the people around you from a human point of view? God says, the Lord doesn't see things the way people see them. People judge by outward appearance. God says, I look at the heart. And we used to look at Christ from merely a human point of view, but now that he's risen from the dead, therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I love that. Those who are in Christ, when you believe in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life, you humble your life before him, you are in Christ. You are in him. And you may be in a place of danger and temptation. Uh, You may fail in many ways. But the Lord says he's redeemed us and we are now in Christ. We cannot be taken from that. Old things have passed away. What are the old things that have passed away? Well, now that we have trusted Christ, we're no longer identified with Adam. We're no longer bound to sin. We're no longer uh, people of the world. That yes, when we're born... Physically, we're born into a sin nature, but when we are found in Christ, that has passed away and we are a new creation. And too many people never approach God with the concept of new. 
they just settle and resign, they've resigned themselves to say, God will just bless or, or improve my messed up sinful life. But the new year is a reminder that Christians are defined by newness. So this New Year's weekend, I want to talk about some of the things that, that are new that we have when we become a Christian. That when we're found in Christ, when we are in Christ, 10 things that are new when we trust in Jesus. Christian is defined by newness. Number one, if you're taking notes, we have a new birth. A new birth. Jesus was having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a deeply religious man, as the old country preacher said. He was religious right down to his fingertips. And Nicodemus um, was starting this conversation with Jesus. And he says, we know that you've been sent by God because of the evidence from the miracles. So we see the miracles and we know that, that you'd have to be sent by God to be able to do those things. But Nicodemus is wearing a mask in this conversation. Not literally, but he's, he's coming to God, he's coming to Jesus, and what he's looking for is what many were looking for. He was looking for someone powerful enough to overthrow Rome and build a kingdom. And Jesus interrupts him in this conversation and replies, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. He's interrupting Nicodemus to tell him, you don't know anything about the kingdom I'm building. I'm not here to overthrow a government. I'm here to overthrow what's condemning you. And God doesn't intend to just change our old nature. He's not in the self-help business. Okay, God isn't interested in our, you know, to you living your best life. No, he's interested in you having a new nature, a new life, being born again. And a new birth is necessary because we need a new nature. You can't even see the kingdom of, why, why try to patch up an old life when God offers a new life and a new birth? And just like you did, didn't have anything to do with your physical birth, only God can give you a new birth. It comes from the work of God. It comes from above. We have a new birth, and that also gives us, number two, a new heart. Some of you remember the hard heart you used to have. And God doesn't only soften your heart. He gives you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. If you haven't seen uh, the Case for Christ movie, I highly recommend it. It's about a man named Lee Strobel who was an investigative journalist and a legal editor. And uh, he did not believe in Jesus. He did not believe Jesus rose from the dead. But he went to investigate it just like he investigated everything else. And what you find in the movie is he starts coming to these conclusions as he's investigating the New Testament and uh, the claims of the followers of Jesus. But meanwhile, while he's doing that, unbeknownst to him, his wife is praying a verse over him every day. And it's this verse. And she's praying that God would take from Lee his heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh. And what you realize through the story of Lee's conversion and in that movie that God wasn't interested in only getting Lee to the right apologetic conclusions. He wasn't interested in only getting Lee to, to en have an enlightened mind or, or think about uh, the New Testament or to think about Christ correctly. He was interested in giving Lee a new life and a new heart and a new spirit. 
And some of you are praying this verse over people in your life. And I just want to encourage you not to stop. Not to stop. Don't let that stop with when this year ends. Keep praying for them. Keep praying that God would, would give them a new heart. Because he does. He gives us a new heart and a new spirit. Number three, he gives us a new life. You know what the hardest thing to give someone is? Something they don't know they need. And Christ comes along and he says, I want to give you a new life. And too many people say, I have a life. I like my life. And God says, it saddens me that you call that living. Because I came to give you life and life to the full. Romans 6, 4 says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The believer's power over sin and the ability to lead a new life stem from identification with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. From God's perspective, Jesus' death into Jesus' death to sin is ours as well. And his rising means a new life, that we can live a new life and that our future bodies will be resurrected as well. This is why the New Testament commands us to baptize by immersion, to be buried in the water and to be brought back up, to bury the old way of life and to bring up a new life. Though coming out of the water symbolizes new life with Christ, that we're no longer identified with Adam, we're no longer bound to that sin, we're no longer seen and identified with our old nature. That has passed away. The old has been buried. And when we think of our old sinful life as dead and buried, we have the power to move on from sin and to flee from sin, to say, that's dead to me now. Have you been buried with Christ through baptism? How are you identified today? Are you identified with Adam and the old nature? Or have you been baptized and you're now identified with Christ and his body? So we've got new life, but number four, we have new desires. Isn't it amazing how after you identify yourself with Christ, just naturally things that you were okay with before, you're not okay with anymore? I talked to so many people who, they come in here, they... They get saved. I said, they'll say, I threw so much stuff away this week. It's just stuff they were okay with having around before. They're not okay with it now. The stuff they were okay watching before. They just can't watch anymore. Things that they were going and doing, they just, they can't do it the same way anymore. Why? Because they have new desires. Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You have new desires. This passage in Galatians talks about walking in the spirit, that living a spirit-led life, that you're walking with the spirit. How do you learn to walk? By trial and error. I I have a two-year-old son, and it wasn't long ago, uh, about a year ago, I remember he was pulling himself up on things, and then he, when he wanted to go to something, he would go back down and crawl and then pull himself up to that thing. But I remember the day you could see it in his eyes. Maybe I could walk from here to there. And he had a new desire. And so I quickly scooped him up and strapped him into his high chair and pulled out my computer and gave him a notebook. And I had a PowerPoint display on how to walk already. 
And we walked through all the steps of learning how to walk and how to bend your knees. And, you know, I said, buddy, you got a big head, so you're going to want to keep that over your center of gravity and make sure, you know, you keep that in the right place and everything. And uh, he filled up his notebook, and we went through the whole display. No. He had a new desire to walk, and I watched him take one step and fall down and bonk his head and cry. And we celebrated and clapped, and I picked him back up, and he tried again, and he fell and bonked his head and cried. But what I've found with Christians is they have a new desire to walk in the Spirit, and what they want to do is go to seminar after seminar and fill up notebooks and binders and PowerPoints with how to walk in the Spirit, but never actually take a step of faith. And if God has given you a a new desire, walk in it. Walk with the Spirit. You're going to fall. You're going to bonk your head. You're going to cry. I'm still falling. But I make it a little bit farther than I did before. And some of you, you, you need, this is your word for 2019. Get up and walk again. Close the binder. You know what you need to know. And let's go. Let's do it. Let's, talk, let's walk in the new desire. You've got a new desire. You've also, number five, you've got a new family. And when you give your life to Christ, you've got a new family. God created everything so that he could have a family. Now, when I say that, what I am not saying is that God was lonely. Okay, before God created the universe, he was not lonely. He did not, he did not need human beings to keep him company. He existed three in one. He was in the Trinity. And there was perfect fellowship there. What God did was said, this is so good, we've got to share it. Let's get, let's get some people in on this. It's so great. And those who've committed their life to Christ, they're part of the church. They're part of God's family. And we're brothers and sisters in that family. Jesus, he was with his followers one time. And, and they're in this packed out house and this space. And his family couldn't get to him. And they came, his immediate family. And they sent in word. And someone said, Jesus, your family's here. They have a word for you. And he says, my family, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. In God's kingdom, one's true relatives are determined not by blood, but by a faith relationship. And God's family is accepting. It doesn't exclude anyone. And although Jesus cared for his mother and his brothers, he did. He also cared for those who loved him. He cared for those who were in the body of Christ and he didn't show partiality. He allowed everyone the privilege of obeying God and becoming part of his family. I'm so glad he didn't exclude anyone because hello, if he excluded someone, it would be me. And you need to remember that whenever you are showing partiality or you think you deserve this or think someone else is exempt from it or you want to exclude someone. If God excluded anyone, it'd be us. But thank God he let us in. And thank God we have a new family and we are in the family of God. We have a new family, but number six, we've got new foes. I told you last week, when you get close to God, some people will not like it. And you might get treated differently. You might get laughed at. They'll treat you like Jesus. Some people, they're not gonna like you. They're gonna make weird comments. They're gonna say offensive things. Jesus said, everyone will hate you because of me. And in this passage, he's telling his disciples, you're even going to get killed, but ultimately not a hair on your head will perish. And he said, by standing firm, you will win your souls. I love that line. Preach it, Jesus. By standing firm, you will win your souls. It echoes of David in the Psalms where he says, what can man do to me? 
Oh, what can people do to me? Come on, I, really, I'm a new creation. I have eternal life in Jesus. I will not fear man. Yes, I'm in this battle. Yes, I have new foes. He says in Psalm 118, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. We've got new foes. Number seven, we've got a new service. We have a new service. We serve from a new motivation. You know, before Christ, if you want to serve God, it was under the obligation of the law. It was under the motive of the law, and the law is a straitjacket. There's no joy in it. The flesh doesn't desire to, to follow the law. Romans 7, 6 says, but now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. That we're joined with the living Christ and we bring fruit. We're to serve him, not on the motive of I must do this or I ought to do this or if I don't do this, God will kill me. No, it's, it's out of a motive that says, you saved me, God. What can I do for you? It pleases Christ. We serve him because we love him. Jesus asked Peter, he said, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I love you, Lord, but you know what a failure I am. And Jesus said, you'll bring forth fruit. Feed my sheep. And that's the man, Peter, who opened the door to the Gentiles, who preached the first sermon at Pentecost. And God has a lost world. And he's saying, will you serve me? Do you love me? Will you feed my sheep? Will you, will you reach a lost world? We have a new, we have a new service. When you're in Christ, you've, you've got a new agenda. There's a new order of things. There's a new mission. A Christian is defined by, by newness. We've got a new service. We've also got a new struggle. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Your, your old nature is going to want to do things. You can't get rid of it totally this side of heaven. And John says, if we think we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. That we have two natures. We've got the flesh warring against the spirit and the spirit warring against the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. Anyone else feel that? Come on, you feel it? So you say, why, why do I do that? Why do I do the thing I don't want to do? I love God now. Why would I do that? It's because they're, they're warring against each other. There's a conflict You've experienced it. There's, there's a, a hymn that many of you know. It's called Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. And modern day hymn writers like to change a phrase in this hymn. But you can't change it. It speaks to the truth of the song and who we are. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And we're prone to worship and we're prone to wander. We're prone to love God and we're prone to leave God. It's the conflict raging inside of us, but thank God for the struggle. Praise God for the struggle. Because some people, they're not struggling. They're just wandering, and they're fine with it. 
But you've got a new spirit, and you've got a spirit that convicts you and says, you can't do what you used to do the same way you used to. You can't watch what you used to watch the same way. You've got a spirit that convicts you. You've got a, a new struggle. There's something in conflict inside of you. It's a prover. It says, I, I am in Christ because I can't just do this the same way I used to do it anymore. It says that, that we're not to do whatever we want. Why does it say that? I thought, I thought we were free. Don't we have freedom? But freedom isn't doing whatever you want. Because if you just did whatever you want all the time, that's not real freedom. That's a prison. Because you'll end up doing things that, that enslave you, that give you addictions, that give you problems that, that you can't get out of. Freedom isn't doing whatever you want. It's the free, freedom is the choice to do what is right. Freedom is the choice that in the middle of this temptation, in the middle of this conflict, I'm free to do what I know is right. Praise God for the new struggle. We've got a new struggle, but we've also, number nine, we've got new mercies. And some of you, you feel that you've exhausted the mercies of God, but you can't outrun them. They never tire. They never become old. Lamentations 3.22 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Jeremiah was down when he wrote this. But he saw one ray of hope, the mercy of God. And some of you are so down today. You are so down, but there is a ray of hope and it's the mercy of God. And you cannot exhaust it. God is not tired of hearing from you. He's not tired of showing you mercy. Come on, let that rise up in you in this new year. It's a new season. It's a new day. There's fresh mercy. There's fresh fire. There's a breath of fresh air. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And some of you, before you even start the new year, you need to throw yourself on the mercy of God. And you just need to get face down before God and say, God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you that it's fresh. Thank you that I cannot exhaust it. Thank you that you will give me grace again. Because there's new mercies. Number 10, there's a new hope. God is in the business of new. God is not in the escape plan business. And a lot of people think that's what Christianity is. That ultimately, once we die, that we will all go up to heaven and be escape. You will escape this sinful earth and we'll go up to heaven and we'll live with God there where everything is perfect. But God's not in this escape plan business. He's in the restoration business. And what he's actually going to do is he's going to return again and he's going to bring heaven to earth and he's going to purify the earth with fire. And he's going to make it new again, much like the Garden of Eden. And it's going to be perfect in every way. And the old will pass away. The old will be gone. And behold, it will be new. He says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Let me ask you a question. What are you looking forward to? Sometimes what we're looking forward to is far too short-sighted. That we can look forward to, I mean, we'll have a resurrected body the sickness that you're fighting, you will not fight that forever. Whatever the doctor said you're not going to be able to do again, you will be able to do that again. 
Whatever, whatever conflict that you can't seem to get out of, whatever you're experiencing that seems eternal, it's not eternal. There is a new hope. You have a new hope. And whatever limitations you have, you will not experience those forever. We have a new hope, the return of our King, Jesus. Where is your hope today? What are you looking forward to? I want you to hear um, from just a really neat guy in our church. Uh, would you just give a warm Rockbrook welcome to Dwayne Stencil? Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Dwayne Stencil. Uh, I grew up in Nest City. It's a small town in western Kansas. Uh, I was the oldest of seven children. Uh, my parents were not well off. So all nine of us lived in a three-room house. My mother had experienced deep emotional hurt in her life. So she was very judgmental towards other people. She told us kids to stay away from people. They're, they're not good. This included my father, who was eventually demoted to living in the basement. It included my grandparents, my uncles and aunts, and just about everyone else. My mother was a staunch Catholic. We kids went to parochial school, and I was an altar boy. I never really found a living faith in that environment. And it, I came to resent the atmosphere at home and, and church. After high school, I joined the Navy in order to avoid the draft and Vietnam. The Navy promptly sent me to Vietnam, where I was, where I was assigned as an engineman on a PBR riverboat. That's an extremely fast twin-engine fiberglass boat that patrols the rivers. I maintained the engines and manned a 50 caliber gun in the back. In one encounter, I got hit with shrapnel on my back and almost lost my left eye. In high school, I met my, the love of my life, Dixie Antonin. We got engaged before I left for Vietnam. Halfway through the Vietnam tour, I got a week's R&R &R in Hawaii. I asked Dixie to meet me there and she said, only if we got married. So she came to Hawaii and we got married on the military base. After Vietnam, I finished my time in the Navy and assigned to an ammunition ship stationed out of Norfolk, Virginia. We then moved to Wichita, Kansas, where I worked for Caterpillar dealership for 29 years. First as a mechanic, then as a service manager. In those years, Dixie and I had two sons, Chad and Brian. Dix and I tried to be faithful in the Catholic Church. We even put the boys in parochial school. But we found the Catholic Church experience to be so dry, and the parochial school was so clicky that we eventually stopped going. Our Sunday mornings consisted of me getting donuts for the family and picking up a paper. However, Dixie had a personal relationship with Christ that she had established as a child. And she was praying that I would give my heart to Christ and that we would attend a good church. A friend of ours had passed away and we went to his funeral. Um, it was at Central Community Church. It was a lively church of about 2,000 members. I was so impressed with the funeral service that I told Dixie, I said, let's go to that church on Sunday. It's the church I'd driven by for years going to and from work. We were so overwhelmed with the Sunday service, everything in that service pointed towards God. It was the exact opposite of what I had experienced in our church. 
We were so impressed that we stayed for the second service. I began attending a men's breakfast and a Bible study on Saturdays. One Saturday, the message in that group just clicked with me. I realized that I needed to ask Christ to come into my heart. When I got home, I knelt down next to my bed with tears in my eyes and gave my life to Christ. From that moment on, I had a new heart, a new birth. I was a new creation. I had a new life, new desires, new family, new, new service opportunities. It was great. In 2003, we moved to Archie, Missouri. I became the service manager for an ag dealership. We started looking for a church. We got on the internet and looked for a church that had a Saturday evening service. We found Rockbrook. We had been attending here for a while when they made the announcements about baptisms. I had not been baptized since becoming a believer. God spoke to my heart and said, you need to do that. It was then that I realized that something had been missing in my life. Up until then, my faith just didn't seem to be complete. But when I took the step of obedience and was baptized, that was it. Dixie and I took the membership class. We got plugged into a small group and started, tending, started serving on the green team. I'm actually a bit of an introvert and prefer to be working in the background. But as a greeter, I don't care how bad a day I've had. When I see the smiling faces of you people coming into church, especially the kids, it just makes my day. I'm so glad that I gave my heart to Christ, obediently followed him in baptism, became a member of Rockbrook, got involved in a small group, and serve on a dream team. It has truly changed my life for the better. Thank you for letting me share this with you. So what's your plan to grow uh, in your faith in 2019? You know, over the next few days, we're going to be making budgets and everything else, goals, resolutions, plans. What's your plan to grow in your faith? I want to offer you one today. I want to offer you our plan. It's our vision for every, every uh, one of us in this church. If you're taking notes, you can write these on these, those four lines. Everything begins with a knowing relationship with God, that you know God, that you know a real God, that you have an encounter, a very real encounter with a very real God. And once you know him, he wants to help you with those areas that hurt so badly, areas of addiction, areas that they don't only disappoint God, they disappoint you. And you wonder, how, am I going to live with this my whole life? You know, areas where the old hasn't passed away, the, the flesh is winning the struggle. And some people, they have this inverted. Some people think, I've got to find freedom from all my problems. I've got to get my life all together before I can know God, before I can come to God. That I've got to clean up my life before I can come to God. But you can't. God accepts you as you are. And it's when you come to God, that's when you have the power to do what you need to do. So you know God, then you find freedom. And once you know him, the power of God comes, you find freedom, and now once you've found freedom, you can discover purpose. Discover purpose. Because you can't see what your life is all about if all you're looking through is the old. But once you settle that, the light comes on to where you can see the new. And too many people, they're just looking through the lens of the past. They're looking through the lens of their, their pain and their resentment and what's done, been done to them and, and their problems. And they're looking through the lens of the old that they can't see the new. They're looking through the lens of the past that they can't see the future. But once you clear that up, you can discover that, hey, maybe I'm here for a purpose. You know, the, the narrative of whatever 
happened with your parents to bring you about, that's not the narrative on your life. God created you, and God wants you, and he has a purpose for your life, and you're here to do something. What? Well, that's ultimately to make a difference, to do something that brings about the new, that you can make a difference. Lots of people want to make a difference. Lots of organizations, lots of companies. It only lasts if you do it in Jesus' name. To make a difference in Jesus' name if it points to Jesus. Here's the issue, though, on the screen. When I don't see God's vision for my life, I'm in danger of settling for an earthly counterfeit. See, the devil, he creates a counterfeit. The devil can't create anything. Only God can create. So what the devil does is he takes what God's created and he, he twists it and distorts it and he t- makes it into a counterfeit. And the devil will promise you everything and deliver on nothing. And this is the counterfeit. This is, this is what, this is the American dream. This is the vision people have for their life is that I'll know me. I won't know God, I'll know me. And I just need to find myself. And I just need to discover new things about myself. And I need to find me so that, and know me, so that then I can find some fame. And I can be famous in this company or this building or this organization or this area or this work area or in this family or in this, this community. And so I can find fame and discover a platform. And then use that platform to make a dime. And that's a distorted vision. That's a counterfeit vision. That's a vision that the enemy is trying to sell you. I almost put make a dollar there, but I should, the devil doesn't even give you a dollar. He delivers on none of it. But God has a vision for your life. Let's just back into it. If it's ultimately to make a difference, so what, what is that? It's to make a difference. And we do that here on, on a team, that we do things together that we, no single one of us could ever do. I mean, last weekend, the big Christmas, and people coming in and giving their life to Christ, and so many people took steps of faith. You couldn't do that on your own. I couldn't do that on my own. It takes a team to pull that off. You say, you know, I helped out this church in, in Chicago, and maybe you didn't physically go there, but no single one of us could have done that by ourselves. It, we did it together. And this is why you have a team where we can serve together. I want to tell you about one of our dream teams that launched this year. I'm just so proud of. It's in the RBFK ministry. It's the Just For Me. It started in September of 2018. And it provides an individualized ministry for kids with non-traditional and special needs. And the mission of this ministry is to share the love of Jesus with children who may not otherwise be connected or able to attend church. And it's here we can offer each child the opportunity to participate at their ability level Uh, with sensory sensitive activities, lessons from the Bible, and teachers trained in trust-based relational techniques. And we have have enough uh, trained and ready staff members right now to bring in more kids. We have enough dream teamers to bring in more kids right now. Uh, So there there are team members already there with the shape and heart uh, for kids with disabilities. Uh, So I encourage you to promote this to your friends and family. If you know uh, families that could take advantage of this and we could reach them in this way, please tell them about it. I think this is the first time in the history of Rockbrook we've got more dream teamers than we have a serving opportunity. So uh, we've got dream dream teams that could use some help if you want to join the team and help us make a difference. Um, But I'm just so proud of this team and their heart and what they're doing to make a difference uh, in these kids' lives. But we serve together. But that can't happen until you discover purpose. And we use the growth track to help people discover purpose. You're not an accident. Again, 
No matter what you think or what someone told you, you're not an accident. And many people, they're going through life and they're making ends meet and they're paying the bills, but they're stinking miserable. Because they don't have a new hope. They don't have anything bigger to live for. And Growth Track is the way we can help you with this. Uh, today is actually step four of the Growth Track. So if you uh, haven't joined a team, you could do that today. Uh, but next week, next Sunday, first Sunday of January of the new year, we'll start the four-step process again. You could come to the membership class. I teach that one. And I'll just show you all the ways that we want to help you uh, grow in your faith. But it's hard to see the future if you don't find freedom. And this is what I love about small groups. This is what I love about Celebrate Recovery. That these groups, they're not many Bible studies. They're not many church services. You've already had that. That's an opportunity for you to connect and encourage and grow together. And you need people that can help you. And you need to be helping some other people grow. That God has given you experiences and has given you things that can be used to help some other people grow as well. Life change happens in the context of relationships. You know, sometimes I'll hear, I'll hear people tell me, you know, your church with the multiple services and the hundreds of people, it's just too big. But size doesn't determine if a church is too big. Size doesn't determine if a church is too big. A church is too big if you don't know anyone. A church of 12 people is way too big if you don't know anyone in the church. And groups are an opportunity for us to be really known, to be actually known. I love seeing it happen. You have someone join a group, and the first few weeks, it's, uh, it's the pretty good and you group. How you doing? Pretty good, and you? <laughs> but after a few weeks, you kind of realize, I'm not doing pretty good. I cussed all the way to this group. <laughs> and my goal is to get you to cuss in the group. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My goal is that maybe not the whole group, but that someone in the group can know who you really are. And you could really share your life with someone. And you can connect with someone because life change happens in relationships. And whether it's a financial group, a parenting group, a recreation group, a workout group, a Bible study, that there's some people who really know you and care about you. You know, there, there were small groups in our church that spent Christmas together. Because that... I mean, that's how strong the connection is. They say, yeah, we have a new family. There's people in our church that are helping each other in just the deepest level in the most meaningful ways. But you can't find freedom if you don't know God. And in two words, that's the hope of our weekend service. That you would come to know God, and if you know God, you'd come to know him better. And I tell you, if you lean into weekend services and these, these messages this year, you know, we take the, these sermons very seriously. I don't pull this stuff out of a hat. We have other pastors and preachers and seminary professors that, uh, that help us with this and to speak into this. And you'd be amazed. If you take notes and you save some of those and you lean into this, you'd be amazed how much more you know about God a year from now, how much more you know God personally a year from now. But this is our pathway for you. And, and I just challenge people every year. People like Dwayne take us up on it all the time of what's your plan to grow spiritually in 2019. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for a new year. But God, it's not the calendar that tells us what's new in our life. It's your word. And we thank you for all the things that you bring brand new into our life as we are in Christ. And God, we are just so humbled by your grace that we don't deserve these things. We can't earn them. We don't work for them. 
They're a gift from you. And God, we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.